All right, everyone, welcome to the Above Average Football Fan Podcast for above average football fans and below average football fans who want to learn more about the game, or if you're a football junkie, this is the podcast for you. We're glad you're here, and we hope you enjoy it. All right, everybody, welcome in for episode 11. I've got Jake James here with me. Jake, how's it going, my friend? Good, man. How are you? Doing pretty good, doing pretty good. So just so our audience knows, Jake and I have known each other for a little while now. Jake was a uh, former student teacher of mine back in the day when we were uh, both in the classroom or at least thought we wanted to do that. So uh, we, Jake's moved on to other things in his life, and we'll talk about that in a little while. Um, but Jake, we're here to talk about football first. So tell, tell everybody a little bit about your hometown high school, where you played, and just about that experience. Yeah, so um, I grew up in Westminster, South Carolina, which is uh, in the upstate. Um, literally one of the last towns you can, it, it's on the border of the state. Like if you drive one town over uh, west, then you are actually in Georgia. Um, really small town, probably, I think there were 3,000 people in Westminster. Um, my high school was West Oak High School, which was actually um, a merger of two other, or another small town in the area. Um, Oakway, which is the name West Oak. That's how they came up with that. Um, and yeah, so we probably had a total of, I think we were right over the thousand student mark. We were pretty small. Um, coming up in the program, uh, I I kind of got involved initially with, with sports there. Um, when I was in like sixth grade, maybe I had a cousin who was a senior that year. Um, and so I kind of got introduced to the to the high school program and um, really got my feet wet and like learning, you know, at that point in my, my, I would say my career of football is where I kind of started to take it serious. So, um, you know, at, 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 in sixth grade, I had two more years of, of playing rec league football before I'd gotten to playing for a school team. And, um, you know, so I got involved early and, and was in there around these guys and, and kind of figured out the, the making up of, you know, what it means to be a high school football player, I guess. And, um, yeah, so I ended up playing, you know, the first year for a, a West Oak team was when I was in C team. Um, it, it was interesting, a, a funny story, and this probably happens to a lot of kids, is, is growing up, I was always, I guess because I was a little bit bigger, I wasn't necessarily a huge person. Um, I was a, I was an offensive lineman or defensive lineman or something random through all of uh, sports when I was younger, when I, when I was playing football at least. And um, it's, it's interesting when I started going to summer workouts going into my eighth grade year, I had probably I'd hit a little growth spurt, I guess. I was probably at that point going into eighth grade, I was probably already like five foot 10, five foot 11. And I'd sort of I obviously hadn't filled out, but I had leaned out and lost a lot of my baby fat. And so I was kind of this lanky looking kid, but I've always had really big hands. And one of the C team coaches saw me saw me working out and he came up to me and he said, what do you what position do you play? And I said, well, I was a lineman, you know, forever. And he said, have you ever played tight end? And I was like, no. And I was like, what? I, I didn't really know exactly what tight ends did apart from they were just another lineman. And he's like, you got really big hands. I bet you can catch well. And I said, all right. And it was really interesting because I never thought of myself as being someone who could catch a football really well. That coach bringing that up to me made me think, oh, maybe I can catch football well. So going into my, my first year for the school, that's what I played and come to find out that's what I was really good at. Um, I, I had had a, a background in being a physical player and then it was like, Oh, well, here's some of the, the flashy part of football that you never experienced. And so 
I think my first game as a as a C team football player, I scored my first touchdown ever, which was which was incredible for me because I never had that opportunity. Um, but uh, yeah, so going through high school was was kind of you know West Oak was a uh, we we had years where we were very talented, um, but we weren't a football school. That's just that's not what we were. Um, a couple of years we had decent baseball teams. West Oak's primarily a wrestling school. Uh, they have a very good wrestling program. They have had for a very long time. Um, and so uh, when I got into high school, I did the same thing. My freshman year um, on the JV team, I played linebacker and was supposed to play tight end. But because we were so small, I was shifted down to being an offensive lineman on offense, um, which was kind of heartbreaking in a way. But I still got to play linebacker on defense, which was cool. Um, my freshman year, I was also playing varsity as well. So I was uh, an eight quarter guy and I don't know about the rules of that stuff anymore. Um, but, uh, experienced that, which was very cool for me. I, I got a lot of playing time as a freshman in high school, which was, which was really cool. And, uh, the next two years for me were really kind of the same thing. It was like, Hey, we want you to do this, but we're, you know, we have not a lot of talent. So we're going to need you to do something that's pivotal for our football team. And, um, so it was kind of the same thing. I played like defensive end, you know, linebacker. And then on offense, I was always like an offense lineman. And, um, and, and it was kind of the, not so much my sophomore year, but probably my junior year really, really had gotten to me. And I'd, I'd almost given up on football because I was, I was really just like upset that I felt like I had the talent to be doing something else, but I was in a place where I couldn't do it. And, um, kind of made me sort of bitter towards football. Um, and, uh, you know, but I stuck it out. I did what I could. And then going into our senior year, we had a coaching change. Um, completely different person came in, someone no one had ever really knew. He was a defensive coordinator from Union. And um, he kind of came in and, and had this completely different mindset. He's like, we're going to have kids that play offense. We're going to have kids that play defense. And we're not going to play both ways because I feel like we're going to um, be better conditioned and, and be more prepared if you're focusing on one thing. You know, you're, you're going to be a specialty player in one position, and that's what you're going to be good at. And um, he came in the spring uh, before my senior year. And so um, at that point in time, he had made the decision, like, because I hadn't had a lot of experience playing offense in high school other than being a lineman. I think I, at that point I might have had a couple of catches my junior year when I, when I was put it tight in a few times. And um, he came in and moved me from uh, an offensive lineman and, and like an interior defensive lineman. He was like, I want you to play defensive end for us. And I was like, okay. So, and even at, at this point, I was still, um, I mean, I, I was my size now. I was six foot one. I almost hit six foot two maybe. And I was probably about 215 pounds or so. Um, which I want to add this in as a, as a note, and you've probably seen this happen a lot. I literally was the same size when I was in ninth grade. So, <laughs> right. um, which is funny because in ninth grade, I thought, Oh man, I'm going to be like six foot five and right. You know, we're like 250 pounds. And it was like, I just stopped growing, yeah. um, which is interesting. But for Wester, six foot one, six foot two, two fifteen was like, okay, you're going to play defensive end. And so, um, I went through spring practice and, um, after one of our first like full scrimmages, they had review footage. And, and at this point in time, like I'd thought about college sports, you know, like I knew I wanted to go to college, but I didn't really know what I was going to do. And, um, 
my coach came up to me and, and he's kind of pulled me aside one day. It was really random. And he said, have you ever thought about playing in college? And I said, I'd love to. And he goes, um, he goes, you have one of the fastest first two steps I've seen. And like out of a lot of, a lot of kids I've ever coached. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And he said, no, I'm being serious. Like coming off the ball, you're, you're faster or just as fast as like kids that I coached in union that are playing like division one. And it kind of like hit, it was, it was weird. Cause it was sort of that same thing of like this coach had brought up this idea that I had kind of thought about, but I, I thought it never happened. Mm-hmm. And it was like the same, the same sort of mindset kind of kicked in when I heard from that coach when I was in sixth grade and it was like, Oh, Hey, I'm like, I'm athletic enough to do this. And uh, so that kind of made me feel really good and, and just really start taking my senior year more seriously. Not that I was like goofing off at the time, but it really made me realize like, Hey, this would be a special year for me. And, um, so that was kind of the the first big thing that happened that year. And then this guy was really well connected and, um, he had, he had sent so many kids from his other from union to go play in college, whether it was NAIA or D3, like several D1 players or, or anything like that. He, he had sent people, so he knew coaches everywhere. And so one of his first things that he really started to do was take us to camps and put us in front of people and let, and let coaches see who we were because, coming from a school that goes like three and seven every year, nobody's really recruiting unless you're, you know, unless you're like an all state player that you're not getting recruited. And um, so we, I was defensive end through spring. Um, we got into summer. Clemson started having their summer camps. Um, he took me to uh, a Clemson football camp, which is, is really at, at it's, you're a, um, you're a, a, how should I say it? It's, it's a different world because when you come from playing uh, 2A football for the past three years and you go get experience and get to meet all these kids that are going D1 and he's like, all right, first first half of the day, I want you to go defensive ends. And he said, if you like it, stay there. But he said, if not, if you want to go try to do some stuff with the tight ends, go ahead. So I go with the defensive ends and um, there was a, a really well-known Clemson player. There are actually two who were seniors with me. One was Malachi Goodman, who was like a four-year starter, a defensive end for Clemson, and he's just a genetic freak. He was like six foot five and probably two fifty coming out of high school. And I just remember his arms were incredibly long. Like his, <laughs> just looking at him, I always thought like his fingers were like past his knees. He just had these crazy long arms. And as soon as I got over there, I was like, I was like, this is not me. Like I'm none of these guys. All these guys are massive. And um, so I did, I did the first part of the practice and I didn't really care much for it um, of the camp. And then the second half, I, I went up to my coach. And I said, Hey, I think I'm gonna go with the tight ends for a little bit. And he said, yeah, go ahead. And so I went over with the tight ends and um, it was a little more my speed. There were, there were guys that were kind of like me, like six, one ish, six, two, that were sort of like a fullback um, H back type more so. And then there were also some tall kids who were clearly going to play tight end at the division one level. And, um, for lack of a, a better like term or statement, I, I kind of like showed out at the tight end spot. Uh, we did some blocking drills, which was like nothing, but then we started doing like pass Skelly with the defensive backs. And I, I just had a couple of really nice catches. I ran some nice routes, which I'd never really practiced a ton. Um, and it was funny because after I made this one, I ran a corner route on this one kid and, and beat him, caught the pass. And it, it was funny because in the middle of the drill, my, my coach kind of ran up to me and like grabbed me. And he said, 
He said, that was nice. I said, yes, sir. And he was like, you're going to play tight end instead of defensive end. I said, cool. And so it was kind of like history after that. Um, after that camp, we got back, we started doing the stuff. I was prepping as a tight end. Um, so uh, I know I'm, that's, that's kind of a long-winded answer. But <laughs> no, not at all, man. It's good detail. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, that explains a lot of how you, you know, ended up at the tight end spot and, um, you know, kind of that process there. And, I mean, yeah, I hear you on that whole stock growing thing. It just happened for me earlier than it happened for you. I mean, when I was in, like, the fifth grade, I was one of the tallest kids in my class. And then by the time I was a seventh grader, I was, you know, like, middle of the pack, basically. Um, so, yeah, I hear you. That that happens to us all. Just sometimes it's later than others or earlier for others. So, that, you know, that's a good, you know, discussion of how you how things went there so you know you ended up playing at Newberry College what was the recruitment piece like you know who all was looking at you what was that experience like for you did you like it did you hate it I feel like some people you know kind of are into it some people hate it what was it like for you um it was a jumbled up mess as much as I hated it honestly and and this has been something that I'm, I'm actually very passionate about because I have experienced it. My brother experienced it, which is a completely different story. I mean, a, a, um, he is on a different level than I was athletically. Um, but anyway, so, you know, going into my senior year, um, I had a great year. I think I ended up having like 30 catches for like 400 and something yards and four touchdowns maybe. Um, just a really good, solid season for a tight end, especially coming from – um, the offense we ran, we ran like a double wing offense. So we were a very run heavy offense and somehow I still racked up 400 yards. Um, had a couple great games. Um, so my, my recruiting really started that summer when I started going to those camps, we ended up doing, you know, a seven on seven camp. Um, and we played, uh, who do we play? We, we had a, a seven on seven against a bunch of different teams in the upstate and everybody was way bigger than us. So it was like, Hillcrest, like Burns was there, uh, Malden was there, all these like big schools. And um, it was at Presbyterian. And I just remember going out on one of those Saturdays where we had that and just having a day. And it was like one of those days where my quarterback was playing well, I was catching everything. And um, I remember specifically we were playing Malden. And Malden, just their physical stature compared to us at that time was just – I mean, we had a bunch of five foot nothing skinny kids um, and Malden it seemed like everybody on their team had tattoos and they were all jacked. <laughs> so it was like when we got there, it was sort of an intimidating thing. But for whatever reason that day, I was just catching everything. And, and I remember when we were playing against Malden in the seven on seven, I just kind of had hit another level and I was I was out running people. I was catching every pass. And it was like every time we went down the field, I would have two or three catches and I would always end up scoring the touchdown. And it was just like our coach was just calling plays for me to for me to play. He was like, just throw it to Jake, throw it to Jake. And um, when we finished that camp, he told me that Presbyterian was really interested in me. And I was like, OK, cool. So I kind of showed my skill in front of someone. And I was really, you know, I was intrigued by that because I think at that point, PC had just made the change to D1 or they were about to. Yeah, it was right around that time. And um, so that was awesome. And and also that same year um, was the year that Bobby Bentley had just been hired, I believe, who had, had been coaching at Burns and had this crazy track record of being a great coach. And um, 
So that was kind of the start of my recruiting process. From then on out, the only places that really talked to me were were them. And my coach had like tried his hardest to get me a preferred walk-on at Clemson. Hmm. Um, I think he thought I would have been a good uh, fullback, H-back type, like clearly not a tight end there. Um, and he just thought that fit who I was. And so those were really all I experienced as a recruiting thing. Well, um, years like rolling around, like signing days coming up and all these things. And I really had no offers from anybody, um, which was kind of disheartening because I remember looking back and like seeing my stats versus other tight ends in the state. And there was like one or two other kids that were, one of them was going to Miami. Uh, I think he was from like Greer maybe. And then there might've been one other kid, um, that had a little bit better stats than me in terms of receiving. But other than that, I was like top, at least like top five in the state from what I remember. And I, I mean, I didn't get like any, I made like, you know, the all area team. I made the all region team. Um, I didn't make all state. I didn't make uh Shrine Bowl or North South or any of that stuff, which I think was kind of, it's kind of tough because it's a little bit political and things like that, but I got no offers. And, um, I'd kind of given up again on football. I was sort of like, well, you know, maybe this is the end of the road for me. I had a great year, but you know, clearly I, I didn't, this didn't work out for me. And, um, interesting enough, I, I got involved in more art cause that's what I was doing. And I, I had applied to full cell university and a couple of the art institutes. And I was like, I'm going to go do digital film. Cause I think I want to learn about cameras. It's funny. Cause I do that now and yeah. it didn't, it didn't work out, but, um, <laughs> And man, it just really, uh, it, something felt off, you know, I didn't feel like that was what I really needed to do and, and things like that. And so, um, probably, man, it was late. It was probably May of my senior year. I went back to my coach and I said, Hey coach, I want to play football. And he was like, he's like, okay, well, you know, you're going to have to walk on. And I said, yeah, that's cool. I said, I'll, I'll go wherever. And I was like, do you, are there any schools that, you know, I can get in on academic scholarships probably. And he, he asked me, he said, well, where have you applied? And I, I literally applied to, to Carolina. I applied to Western Carolina, um, Furman, PC, College of Charleston, North Green. I, I just applied to all these schools. The only school I didn't get into was Clemson. Right. And um, so we started kind of looking at the stuff. And he was like, well, you know, our one of our long snappers from that same year, he's like, he's signing with North Greenville. Would you be interested in North Greenville? And he's like, I know the coaches because he's signing there, you know. I said, yeah, sure. I, I didn't really know anything about North Greenville the month, but I knew it was a, a, a Christian college, mm -hmm. um, Southern Baptist based. And then I also knew that we had a kid sign there three or four years prior who made it like one semester because he just was like, I, I this isn't for me. Right. And so, um, and I knew they had a terrible football team, <laughs> which, <laughs> which wasn't a feeling, right? Right. Um, but I was like, whatever, I want to play football. So I go on like an unofficial visit to check out the school. Um, and the coaches are basically like, hey, we'll, you know, we'll, we want to give you the opportunity to walk on. You'll basically be a preferred walk on here. Um, and they were like, the good thing is you have an academic package and it's only going to cost you like 500 bucks a semester or 500 bucks a year to come here. You're basically covered. And I was like, sweet. That, that kind of makes the decision for me. Right. Um, so went to North Greenville um, and uh I was still, it was interesting. Like you still, when you get there, it's still college football. So you're still surrounded by a lot of kids that are really talented that kind of probably were in the same situations that I was where right. they went to a really small school. Their coaches maybe weren't as connected as they should have been. 
um, their parents maybe didn't have any type of play in their recruiting process. Cause I've realized later on that that has a lot to do with it too. Mm-hmm. Um, a little stuff like that. And, um, but when I got there, I, I still didn't feel like that was where I needed to be. You know, I, I felt kind of weird. It didn't feel like it was my place. I didn't really connect with the football team that well. So I stayed there for about, I stayed there one whole semester, but I stayed on the team till about mid season. Mm-hmm. And I think in mid season, North Greenville at that point, we were like one in five or something. Mm-hmm. We might've beaten like Brevard or somebody. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just, I, I realized like, this isn't for me. Like they were going to red shirt me. Um, even though I felt like I was learning our playbook and felt like I was capable of playing, <clears throat> they were red shirt me. And I was like, this isn't right. You know, like I don't, I don't feel right. right. And uh, so I decided to leave. And so I finished out that semester, transferred, went to Tri-County Tech. And um, I'm not sure if you know this story, but I kind of did the same sort of thing. When fall rolled around again, I said, man, I really, like, I want to play football. Like, that's what I, that's what I wanted to do when I left college. I want to do it now. Um, one of my best friends had signed with Newberry. And um, I, I went, I, I called him up and I said, hey, man, like, what made you go there, blah, blah, blah. And he was kind of a big-time recruit out of our high school. Um, he had actually gotten recruited by Clemson pretty hard. And they basically told him they offered another kid over him because he was a little bit smaller than the other kid. So they wanted to get the size. Sure. And, uh, well, he signed with Newberry and I asked him about it. And he said, yeah, man, I'm excited. You know, like they have, he's like, they have a good football team. They're division two. But he was like, every time they played North Greenville in the past 10 years, they thrashed them. <laughs> so I was like, I was like, okay, well, maybe, maybe this will work out. Right. And so I am um, sorry. I'm sitting outside. There's dogs. Nope, passing. Um, so I did the same thing. I called up my high school coach and I was like, Hey man, <laughs> I was like, I know it didn't work the first time, but I really want to give this another shot. And he, I said, I, I think I'd be interested in going to Newberry if you can make that happen. And uh, so he called, actually called the coaches at Newberry, I guess the recruiting coordinator for the area, and said, look, we have this kid that went to North Greenville, was going to get redshirted, kind of put me over to him. And uh, he was like, do you guys have a roster spot? Well, little did I know, Newberry has a roster spot for everyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they will take anything and everything that wants to come help be a part of their program. And so the cool thing about Newberry though, is because they're so expensive, they give you scholarships for participation in um, some type of extracurricular activity. And I think at the time it was called a leadership scholarship. Gotcha. And so he came back and he was like, he's like, look, they'll take you. And he's like, they said they can give you like $8,000 to come play. And I was like, that was more than North Greenville was giving me. So that's an awesome sign. And so uh yeah that's how i ended up at newberry it was really really random um out of nowhere and kind of my best friend sort of pulled me to it um and uh yeah so that was my process and and just to kind of hit back you know i didn't really i didn't touch on it much um the process for recruiting is a very is a very messed up system and i think a lot of that to me speaks um it speaks volumes on how the process is and like how political it can be. And I know everything's like that, but you know, there's a, when you see kids like, like there's a dude at Newberry that played with me, um, Ron Parker, uh, went and played in the NFL for made like $20 million in the NFL, like super athlete ended up in Newberry. And that wasn't because he went to Juco and ended up at Newberry or whatever he didn't get recruited to go to some really large school, even though he was a great athlete. 
And so who knows why that happened, but it, you definitely see the, the kind of the voids and how that process works. And, and, you know, the more I've gotten out of it and, and seen it from the outside, it's, it's a really, it's, it's a bad thing because when you don't get those opportunities to go to the larger schools or be seen by the larger coaches, or you don't know someone who's putting your name in the hat and like telling them certain things, or for the most part, you go to a small school. That's not a great football school. You miss a lot of opportunities. And, you know, for kids who, for kids who, you know, may grow up in poverty or, or may not have the circumstances to switch high schools or whatever, you know, I think there's a lot of kids that, that float under the radar. Um, and it stinks because that type of recruiting can affect them all the way up until, you know, there's probably tons, tons of, of, of football players who could be playing in the NFL right now, but never got an opportunity. Yeah, because absolutely. Of, because of the process, man. And it's, it's a really, it irks me a little bit. <laughs> Um, well, and it's funny you mentioned that. I think when you said that, I started thinking about like Gaines Adams. You know, unfortunately, he's passed away. But Gaines Adams, when he was in high school, he played at a, a eight-man eight-man eight football. Yeah. And if it had not been for Steve Tanninghill, um, you know, kind of saying, "Hey, somebody needs to recruit this guy." And the story I've always heard is he brought him to Columbia, being that T Steve's a former Gamecock, and you know, basically said to Lou Holtz, "Hey, you you got to have this kid. He is a really good player." Holtz didn't go for it, but then he took him up to Clemson and Clemson saw him and worked him out a little bit. So all he could do is that absolutely. And of course the rest is history, but you know, yeah. if, if Steve Tannehill had not done that for games, games could have been the guy you're talking about who could have been a really good player that nobody knew about. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, and, and uh, you know, I, I don't know what, how my life's going to shape out, but I do think that one day I want to work on something that's going to fix that system because I think it's, I think it's very easy. It's very easy. And this isn't throwing shots at coaches, but I experienced it firsthand because I played in college. Um, I experienced it with my brother. There's, there's a, a lot of people look, look over kids who um, are good people and, and good athletes because they're looking at who runs the fastest 40, who's right. the strongest. Uh, and so you miss a lot of the people that, that are, uh, the ones that are going to stick it out for the long run and the ones that are, you know, when, when you're own five going into their senior year, they're not going to quit or whatever. You know what I mean? There's just, there's, there's so many tangibles that people overlook when it comes to athletes, I think. Um, and not saying that I would be amazing at picking those kids out because obviously, you know, you know, who's athletic and you know, who's not, and you know, who's, a, who's good at what they do based on watching them, but there's just so much more to it. I feel like it's, it's so overlooked and it's so political and, and I experienced it, and it was frustrating for me. I mean, looking back, you know, uh, I, now uh, Newberry was great. I, I played at Newberry a lot. Like, I, I, for the most part, I enjoyed my time at Newberry. I met, made a lot of friends. I mean, some of my best friends now play football with me there. But looking back, I wish I would have just went to Clemson or went to Carolina and walked on because I, 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 look, at, I look at my career and think, man, just that opportunity to play on that level. Sure. Uh, whether, whether I played a ton or not, like – for me, it was always like, I'm going to find a way to play, you know, like I'm going to, I'm going to figure out what I'm good at here and I'm going to make it work. And that's how I'm going to get my playing time. Um, and so looking back, I wish I would have taken that opportunity. So, um, you know, that's something I tell kids a lot now. And, and, you know, I don't, I don't know if you're friends with my brother on Facebook, but he sort of, he sort of followed the same path as me in terms of, um, you know, didn't get recruited real well, uh, ended up signing really late and, um, the, the major difference there was that my brother 
is uh, an offensive lineman. My brother was also a three-time state champion wrestler. Um, he was a 3A state champion wrestler of the year. Um, yeah, I mean, he was – he I, I, he is, like, one of, like, five kids ever out of our high school – or maybe, like, one of five or six kids in the state that's ever had, like, 100 wins in their career. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, something crazy like that. He has a bunch of crazy records. And um, what was really interesting about my brother was – wrestling is very i mean it's it's pretty can relate relate a lot of what you do on a wrestling mat to like what a football player does especially an offensive lineman absolutely and uh what sucks man is his you know west oak when he was there they went um oh and ten his first three seasons and then Hmm. his senior year i think they went one and nine so no one is looking at anybody at west oak doesn't matter unless he's a um you know a, a six foot eight offensive lineman that weighs 300 pounds they're not looking anywhere um and so he kind of went through the same thing man he got overlooked and and uh, eventually he decided to go to presbyterian um presbyterian had just uh you probably know this now they had just switched to non-scholarship yeah football yeah, yeah. and so they cut that they cut scholarships but the, it was interesting one of my offensive coordinators from newberry was at pc at the time and he said we want you to come here um and then they also had started a wrestling program. So the wrestling program was recruiting my brother more so than the football, probably. And uh, they sort of did the same thing that Newberry did, where they gave him some money for for being on the football team, but it wasn't considered scholarship for football. You know, it was like a participation type thing. They're like, well, if you're on the team, we can give you this money, but you have to stay on the team. And uh, the the issue is that the wrestling program couldn't stack a scholarship on top of that. And so he got to, he got to Presbyterian um, and uh, played his freshman year, started nine games. He missed one game because he tore a meniscus and then he played five more games after that or something crazy. Right. Um, started as a true freshman, started all year as a sophomore and had really progressed a ton in that one year, just in terms of how much better he got. And, uh, you know, I think he kind of went through the same thing I did where he was like, man, I feel like I'm missing out. Like PC's cool and it's still division one, but he was just like, it's just not what I want it to be. And, uh, so he's actually at this point, he took the route I didn't take. He's, he's at Clemson now and he's going to walk on in August. They've, they've con Yeah, it's cool. Um, it's cool for him because he was definitely one of those people that was overlooked big time. And, and I, you know, I'm hoping everything works out for him in that sense, because, um, God, like I'm kind of living vicariously through him at this point because I, I should I, – looking back, I'm like, man, I should have done that. I should have given myself right. that opportunity. And if I didn't make it, then I can go play D2. Then right. I can go somewhere else. You know, yeah. it's so much easier right. to go that route. So, uh, but, yeah, that's my that's my rant about recruiting. It's really a – it's a – man, I want to fix it. I really yeah. do. Like I I get that, they, dude. I, I do. There's – there's you know, I, that you're not the first person that I've ever talked to about football – either on a podcast or just in general talking football, particularly when I was coaching and, and whatnot about the recruiting process and just how broken it is and, and, and how it does lead to guys like yourself, your brother, and many, many others getting, uh, you know, getting missed out on. And then, you know, that can close a lot of doors. Um, and, you know, a lot of times, you know, I, I, the, I always think, and I talked to, on a podcast recently about this with Perry Orth, about Tom Brady. I mean, you know, we're, we're talking about the guy. Now, granted, he played at Michigan, but when he went to Michigan, he was like, I think, seventh on the de- on the depth chart. Of course, you know, everybody famously knows that he got drafted, 
you know, 199th overall. There were six quarterbacks taken before him. And, you know, again, you talked about coaches and, and at that point GMs fall in love with numbers and they, they look at 40 speed and they look at, you know, uh, bench press and vertical and, you know, even Tom Brady's physique, you know, that famously there's the picture of him standing at the combine and you yeah. know, he, he looks like he's the paper boy or the, uh, the uh, pizza delivery guy, not a big time, you know, NFL quarterback. And I mean, that guy is legitimately like it or not. I mean, I, I'm by no means a Patriots fan or, or now a Bucks fan, but you gotta, you gotta give credit where credit's due. And the guy's at the very least the most successful quarterback of all time and probably the best, if not, you know, the very best close one or two. And he got overlooked. Now, of course, yeah. Tom Brady happened to be six foot four. So, you know, I mean, it is that there is that magic height number, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you talked about year six, one, six, two ish, you know, had you been six, four, had you been six, five making those plays you were talking about making at those camps. Yeah. They, you know, Clemson would have been calling you while you were sitting there. And yeah, um, absolutely. You were just in that tweener zone of, well, he's six, one, he's six, two. And of course, like you said, you played at a smaller school that, you know, didn't have this great football tradition. You, you take you and put you on the field at, you know, Spartanburg high school where I went to that was known for football or Dorman or now here in the Midlands, Dutch Fork, um, mm-hmm. where, where they're turning out state championship after state championship, you get looked out, looked at a little bit more. So I, I totally agree with you that that system. Now I will say, I think that some of these, camps they have now like the regional camps that they have for for linemen and for skilled players nowadays because that was one thing when I was playing now granted I'm five foot ten at that time I was 235 240 pounds playing left tackle no one was calling me no matter what but those those types of camps really didn't exist we mm-hmm. you know we went to Furman uh, a group of us went to Furman and it was a, it was there was an offensive line camp and there was a wide receiver and quarterback camp so our wide yep. receiver and quarterback couple of those guys went to that part me and the rest of the line we went to the offensive line part but that was really kind of all there was now you can go to those line camps and you can go to those wide receiver camps and I think that helps but you're right it, it's still broken um so switching gears to to you know in a way to recruiting you know I, I introduced you as Jake James but uh, there's a time when you were known as the thoroughbred <laughs> Jackson James uh Talk to us a little bit about your your adventures into professional wrestling, something you and I talked a lot about when when you were doing it and when we were working together and, you know, even past that time. So, you know, just tell the audience how that start for you and and what was that experience like? Yeah, so um, it's funny. Everything comes full circle. Wrestling came because I went to Newberry. That was what. Yeah, I played football at Newberry, and somehow I fell back into loving wrestling. It was uh, so um, like every other wrestler in the world, for the most part, when they tell their story, it's like, oh, I was a, I was a fan growing up. And, and I grew up in the um, – it's not considered the golden era of wrestling. Like right. that's not the term for it. But in terms of the experience, it for me, it was the golden era of wrestling. I mean, when – the Monday night wars when all the stuff was going on in like the mid to late nineties. Um, I mean, that was, that was the, the height of professional wrestling. Like now they might do more numbers and they might make more money and they might net more, but they're still, they're still making a lot of that money and pulling in a lot of people because of what happened 20 years ago. Um, and that's, that's how pivotal 20, 25 years ago was, was the most pivotal part in professional wrestling ever. So I grew up in that and loved it. And I, I don't know why I loved it at the time, but I loved it. And uh, 
So I grew up going to watch shows and doing things like that. And I was so fascinated by it. As a kid, I, you know, would emulate being a wrestler or whatever, but I, mm-hmm. you know, I, I never dreamed of being like, oh, when I grow up, I want to be a pro wrestler. And I think a lot of that was because I really looked at wrestlers like superheroes. I was like, I don't know if I'm superhero, you know, that's not my stature. <laughs> like right, that's not right. who I am. And uh, so anyways, whenever I finished football at Newberry, I still had one semester left. And um, actually, I'm sorry, I had two semesters left. Uh, the semester before I started student teaching, all my all my sweet mates and stuff, because I lived in a suite at the time, they all still played. So they were all going to practice every day. And at this point in time, Netflix started uploading a lot of old WWE like documentaries and like these videos about these wrestlers. And um, for whatever reason, I was like, hmm, I'm going to watch one of these. And I watched a couple of them. And I just started thinking, like, how do you, how do you get into wrestling? And, uh, you know, like, how does this work? And at this point, I, I finished my senior year of, of football. I was about 240. Uh, I put on a lot of weight because I was a I was a blocking tight end because that's what they needed. And so I wanted to be thicker and and be able to control people. And it was, it was very hard, even in that weight, when there's 300 pound dudes across from you. Right. Um, you really have to, number one, have that weight. Even if it's not all muscle, you just need the weight just to just to hold your own and stuff like that. And so football ended and I'd, I'd actually cut a lot. I, I cut down to about um, 205. Mm-hmm. from football season ending um, until I came back in uh, the spring semester. I was, I was like 205 coming back. So I'd cut like 35 pounds. Um, the good thing about being that heavy was that I had built a nice foundation of muscle. So I'd had like muscles I never knew existed in my body. So I like my physique looked better. Um, I was, I was actually more interested in, in uh, the aesthetics of, of how I looked and, and uh, shaping my body and, and doing more bodybuilding stuff. Cause I was just so used to like lifting as heavy as I could forever. Sure. And uh, well, anyway, so when I started thinking about, Oh, Hey, like I'm, you know, I'm in better shape. I kind of look like I can wrestle. I'd started growing my hair out. My hair was long. And I was like, maybe this is something I could try to do. And then it was like going down that rabbit hole. of like, how does this even happen? Like, how do you, how do you get an opportunity to be a professional wrestler? Um, at this point in time, I had no idea that there were um, what's called the independents. There were smaller shows that people ran across the state or across the Southeast that had no affiliation with WWE, but were just people, a promoter getting people together and running wrestling shows. I never knew that existed. And so um, I, uh, the first thing I did is WWE at that point had created a, um, they had created a, uh, what was it called? It was some type of portal where you could go submit a photo or two, talk about yourself, just create a bio and right. submit it to potential. It was like a recruit site, basically, gotcha. Gotcha. which, man, I mean, I, I would hate to know how many people submitted something on that site because, like, who knows how many people from all over the world logged onto that and submitted oh, yeah. stuff and so I knew it was a long shot, but I was like, you know what, I'm going to fill this out. Well, then the next thing I found out doing, just doing my research, research, like how do you become a wrestler? Like how do, how do you get tryouts? How do you do this? Um, was the uh, WWE had just, and they still do this, and I'm sure they still have some type of agreement. They had just like put it out in public that they had a, um, uh, they had come to terms with the NFL Players Association to start recruiting either like former players or players that, you know, like gotten to the 
the draft or like who entered the draft, didn't get drafted or free agents who didn't make a team or whatever, they'd start recruiting these guys. And it kind of like a light bulb clicked like, oh, well, I'm not going to the NFL. I'm a free agent. Right. And so right. I thought I thought to myself, hey, that's what I am. Well, the problem is like, who do you contact at that point? Like, hey, you know, this is what I did. I want to wrestle now. Who do I, who do I contact? And um, I went scouring on uh, LinkedIn and found the head of talent for WWE on LinkedIn somehow. Shot her a message, which again, I knew it was a long shot because I thought to myself, how many people message this person? You know, how many people, how many people do this and how many people get ignored? Shot her a message and said, hey, I just finished my uh, senior year of college football. Um, I'm really interested in becoming a pro wrestler. It's like sent height and weight and um, sent a couple headshots and said, here's, here's kind of my physique. This is what I look like. And um, crazy enough, like, man, a month later, and I'd already kind of given up, like, well, I guess this ain't going to work. A month later, I got an um, email from the new head of talent, and it literally said, like, hey, Jake, it's your lucky day. Uh, you sent a message over, and we saw it. Um, we're interested in bringing you down to have a tryout with us. And I was wow. like, wow. Like, I, you know, I never had, like, those moments where I was just, like, overcome with, like, emotion other right. than, like, I would say the first time I ever had that moment was probably, I think when I was like a, it's funny as a football moment, when I was like a sophomore or junior in high school, we won on a Hail Mary. Yeah. And that was one of those, it was just one of those like tough games where I was beat up and hurt and we've won this game in the last play. And that was the only other time I'd ever like fallen down and just been like, Oh, thank you God. You yeah. Know? <laughs> right. Right. And uh, I remember getting that email, man. And I mean, I was, obviously I still lived at home, but I was, I was in our living room and I, I literally like dropped to my knees and I was like, no way. I was like, this is the craziest thing. And what's so crazy about it and what really had just hit me like, wow, was I had went ahead and start, I found some local people that owned a ring that said they would train me. And um, I had been in the ring for like two weeks and just doing random stuff like running the ropes, learning how to take bumps learning how to protect myself, random things like that. And, you know, when I first met this group of people, there was one guy for them that had done some WWE stuff, not like signed a contract, but had just been on TV a couple of times for WWE, done random. Like he was like a truck driver for him on something random. Right. And I, I asked them all, I'm like, how, do you, how did he do that? And they said, yeah, he just knows somebody. And they're like, they're like, dude, there's people that have been wrestling for 25 years that don't get opportunities. They're like, so don't, don't get your hopes up and think this is just going to happen. Like it's, it's going to be a long time. You just got to get good at this. And then, you know, hopefully that opportunity will come. And uh, so that had kind of hit me too. I was like, Oh my God, like I, I know there's a hundred thousand people out there that have asked for this opportunity. Like, why did I get it? You know? Um, so that was kind of, that's what got me started, man. And I, I went down and uh, had my tryout. It was all athletes. Um, everyone was, uh, there was one NFL player. I would say about eight of us were probably eight to 10 were um, wrestlers, amateur wrestlers that had all wrestled in college. And then there were like three or four of us that were football players. Um, interestingly enough, they signed not immediately, but they ended up signing probably four of the four or five of those 15 people, wow. some of them are on, on TV now, like doing great and like have, have built a really nice career and done a lot of cool stuff. Um, I, I got to know, which to me, when I got there, I was like, no wonder I got to know there's a, 
I mean, these dudes are all super athletes. Right. And uh, I was like, I don't look the part. I don't, you know, I mean, I kind of look the part, but I'm smaller than these guys. They want big right. dudes. Right. Um, I had a good trial there. Like I, I did, I did well. And, um, but it, you know, when I got the no, it was kind of disheartening and I almost, I almost had, um, just kind of hung it up again. And I was like, uh, you know, I'm never going to get that opportunity again. Right. Well, I, I know these are, these are long stories. Man. No, man, they're good. <laughs> Keep going. Uh, so, you know, I, I remember, um, when I got the no, I was in Myrtle beach with some friends and, and my family on a little trip, just kind of get away. I got the no email and I was, I was really disappointed. It was kind of like I knew, you know, I could tell when I was there, like, Oh, they're not that interested in me. Like whatever. Right. Um, but it still kind of sucked. And, um, when I came back from that beach trip, I had actually paid to go to this camp in North Carolina as a wrestling camp for like four days, paid like 300 bucks, which at that point in time, I didn't have a lot of money. So, um, you know, it was something I, I really had spent a lot on. And I kind of got that, I got that email and I was like, you know what, maybe I shouldn't do this camp. Maybe this isn't right for me. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, I, I, uh, I decided to still go and I went and, um, the first day there were probably like 10 or 12 of us at this camp. And the head trainer was Dr. Tom Pritchard, who, um, was the head trainer for WWE for a while. Mm-hmm. He was, uh, he's, he's kind of that guy that everybody Everybody that works there goes, he's the man. He knows what he's talking about. If you, if right. you don't like him or if he doesn't like you, it's bad news. And yeah. uh, so um, when I got there, he immediately, you know, we kind of introduced ourselves and everybody kind of got to know one another. And he kind of asked us our backgrounds, like what we came from. And I was like, you know, I was like, well, yeah, I played football in college. And, uh, I was like, I actually just had a tryout like a month ago um, at the at the performance center or down at, at not that at that time, it wasn't the performance center down in Orlando. It was a uh, FCW, which they had transitioned from. And I was like, yeah. So uh, I was like, you know, I wanted to get here and just learn more. Cause I don't know anything about wrestling really. And uh, I think that kind of made him like me a little bit. Cause he was like, eh, I kind of see why they probably gave him a, a, a look and um, didn't know anything. But in that four day span, I learned so much from this guy. And, and uh, luckily I was really coachable. I was coachable. Right. I could soak up knowledge. I could, like that was just what I was good at. And, um, by the end of that camp, he had kind of given me the sort of the slap on the back, like, Hey, like you're, you're, you can go do something with this if you, if you keep at it. And, um, so from, from there on out, I started wrestling on these independent shows, these random shows around Georgia, South Carolina for no money. I mean, I was right. like some I, first paid one I ever got paid was 20 bucks. And we were wrestling outside of a, outside of a, uh, Ryan's, in the parking lot. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, dude. And the, I got paid 25 bucks and I got a free meal at Ryan's, hey, which man, is cool. That's a payday. From, right there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was doing stuff like that for a while. And then um, uh, I was actually on Twitter. It's another random thing, man. This, this is, this is why I tell people, it, you know, that you, you miss a hundred percent of the shots you never take that whole, that old saying, uh, right. who said that Wayne Gretzky, maybe. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. That that's so true, man. Because you never know when, you never know when you you speak up or you, you like you know you stick your head out and say, "Hey, look at me," and someone sees it and someone takes notice and someone gives you an opportunity. Right. And uh, you know, I had, uh, I got out of that camp. Um, I started wrestling a little bit, and I had had some. I finally got some footage back from my first match ever, and that was kind of one of the first ones I had. 
I got on um, I got on Twitter and, and wrestling's a big thing on Twitter. So it's a big community. Yeah. And um, I'm on Twitter and and uh, I responded to um, I'm sure you remember the Road Dog Jesse James. I remember Road Dog. Uh, yeah, Road Dog. Uh, I I tweeted something to him or responded to one of his tweets and he followed me. And I was like, well, that's interesting. And so I sent him a message and said, hey, man, um, I've been wrestling for a few months. Here's my first match. I'd love for, for you to give me some feedback on it if, if you'd like take a peek at it. And he said, yeah, dude, I'll give it a look, which I thought was super cool of him to do that. And uh, he wrote me back and said, that was your first match? I said, yeah. And he's like, that's really good, man. And I was like, sweet. And then he goes, well, would you be interested in coming and doing some you know, some TV spots with us when we come around, like being an extra and working backstage. And it was just like so random, you know, it was, I was like, really, you know, like this is like, that's a thing I could do. And he's like, yeah, he's like, uh, he's like, we come back around in uh, May. He's like, just shoot me a message, remind me and I'll get you on the list. I was like, sweet. Mm-hmm. So they, you know, time starts rolling around. Um, you know, it's funny. I'm pretty sure I was, I'm almost certain I was student teaching for you when I had my first opportunity to go to WWE and work. (laughs) I I feel like that's probably somewhat accurate. Yeah. Cause I mean, you and I used to talk about it a good bit. So I feel like, and I feel like, yeah, I feel like you were student teacher and maybe you had just finished because I remember watching you on Monday night raw. I think you may have texted me and been like, Hey man, I'm going to be on raw. And I, and I was like, really? And you were like, yeah. So I remember I watched, that night yeah. that night um and i remember seeing you because it was like a lumberjack thing is that right or i can't remember what there was, was you know i don't remember because i did so many things i don't know what was going on that night but i do specifically remember when i was student teaching that fall is was my first wwe stuff and um so it was actually no it wasn't may it was in september so i was 100 student teaching for yeah. you yeah absolutely um which is which is really funny. It's a funny story because I got in a lot of trouble at Newberry for missing days, mainly due to wrestling. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I almost got kicked out of the education program. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is it's funny looking back because now it's like, well, what does it matter now? Yeah. But um, yeah. So I, I started I started uh, working for them and I went in, and uh, one of the back then William Regal yeah. was the guy that kind of. You, that sort of took care of you when you were there. So you got there, you checked in, do your stuff. And, um, you know, Regal gets us all together. He gives us this big spiel for about an hour. And he says, tomorrow you'll get to wrestle some matches um, and we'll cut some promos. We just want to hear you talk, see what you can do. I was like, all right. Well, he kind of knew me from my first tryout because he was down there when I went. Right. And uh, so I went out the next night on Tuesday. We The way that works is – um, when they first get the ring put up, which is really early, like three o'clock, three thirty, you'll wrestle matches in front of the the talent scouts and in front of some of the wrestlers that are already there. They'll yeah, watch you, right, right. And um, you know, I'd studied a lot and I felt like I knew certain things, but the thing they want they want to see there a lot of times is how well you can tell a story because that's really what it comes down to. Absolutely, yeah. Um, if you can tell a story in front of no audience, then in front of a, uh, some cameras and, and on TV, you can tell an amazing story. Absolutely. So I um, had this great match with a dude I'd wrestled with a good bit already at that point. And, um, you know, 
we ended up doing a, a situation where he hurt my knee. And so the whole match revolved around my knee being messed up. So right. we'd start doing things and I'd, I'd act like my knee was messed up and it, and it like, it was like a reoccurring thing. Um, and I felt really good about it. I was like, wow, it turned out well, like uh, pretty good. And so we go to the back and we cut promos and, um, I was incredibly nervous about yeah, this. Yeah. Um, like I'd never, I'd never done it, you know, I'd never right. been taught in how to do it or, and I wasn't, I'm not an amazing speaker or anything like that. And um, improv was not something I'm great at. Like, I, I think I'm a lot better now, but at the point in time, I was terrible. And uh, so I cut a little promo and he's like, he's like, okay, well, um, he's like, you're wrestling Dean Ambrose on Thursday night. Go ahead. And he's like, you're the bad guy. I said, okay. And, uh, man, I, it was terrible. I don't even know what I said. I, I can't remember right. what I said, but it was bad. He, he critiqued it and he goes, that was bloody horrible. <laughs> <laughs> and I literally said that. I said, well, I said, I said, honestly, I don't, I was like, I've, I've been wrestling six months and I, and I go, I go, I don't, I don't have any formal training. I don't have any, no one's worked with me on this. I was like, I don't, I don't know you know, some people just have it. And I was like, I don't just have it. Like I, I'm the type of person who's about to work at it and get it. Like I don't right. just have it. And it was like a scene out of a movie. This is really interesting. Um, and it's funny. I go to walk out. Like I'm like beating myself up. Like, God, I should have prepared better. I should have prepared better. I go to walk out and I literally open the door and he goes, wait. And I turned around and he's like, come here. I walked back in and he said, he said for your, for that match to be, you know, probably your 10th match ever. He said, that was one of the best matches we had tonight. And I said, Oh, thanks. And he goes, your promos are terrible, but he goes, I think you can get better at them. So what I want you to do um, is I want you to film yourself every single month and I want you to send it to me. I'll give you my email, email it to me every month. Stay in touch with me. I said, okay, yes, sir. I appreciate it. I go out and um, man, I started doing that and they kept bringing me back. They kept bringing me back. Um, I was sending him the emails right. and every time we'd go to cut promos, I'd walk in the office with him and he'd say, he'd say, you send me one every day. I don't need to hear you cut a promo. Go ahead. And I'd be like, okay, cool. And I'd, I'd walk out after like 10 seconds and people would be like, wow, that was, what'd you do? And I'd be like, I said, he just really liked it. <laughs> I would lie to everyone. I'd be sure. like, he loves it. He just thinks he, I was like, we've been talking a lot. He likes this promo. I keep doing it. Right. And uh, I was told at that point, he told me like one of the last times that I was with him there, he said, you're on our list to get a tryout. Um, it's coming up soon. Just, uh, I don't know when, but it's coming. So just stay right. healthy do whatever. I said, okay, cool. So it's kind of the same old story, man. I kept, kept going back. They kept calling me when they were even in the Southeast. Like I did spots in Florida. I did spots in Alabama. I did spots in new Orleans. I did spots in Atlanta, Greenville, Charleston, everywhere. It was like every, North Carolina. I was going to all these places with WWE um, which was amazing because I was there so much that people were uh, the talent were treating me like I was a talent there because everybody had seen me. They'd seen me so much. They learned my name. Um, then, uh, you know, I got the opportunities to a lot of those were doing random things, but a, a few times I was able to wrestle. So I was able to wrestle um, in a dark match, which for people that don't know what that is, it's, it's in the ring with the live audience before the cameras come on. And it's kind of, your goal in a dark match is to get the, is to get the audience, you know, ready and engaged and entertain them. And, uh, 
so I ended up having, you know, two matches like that. Um, I had one match and then I would say like a month later, they said, Hey Jake, you're on, a, you're on a tryout down in Orlando now uh, coming up. And I said, cool. That's awesome. I've been waiting on this for like a year and a half, you know, and, and it ended up coming up. I went down, had a great tryout. At this point in time, I'd had a few friends working there. I'd had a few coaches that had known me from the TV spots. Um, uh, speaking of, of Road Dog, Road Dog and his brother um, had really vouched for me pretty big, pretty hard. And uh, I tore my MCL before this trial. And uh, one of the brothers called me, Scott Armstrong, who's like a producer at WWE now. He called me and he said, he's like, hey, man, I heard you got injured. And I said, yeah. I was like, I tore my MCL. And he's like, how are you feeling? I said, well, I was like, I'm okay. And, you know, the tryout's a month out, but I think I'm all right. You know, I'm slowly able to move and do things. And he goes, well, we'll rest it up. And when you go down there, don't say a word to anyone about being injured. And so he's like, don't even mention it to anybody because they're not going to like it. And I was like, okay, well, I won't, you know, which is such a scary thing because right. you're like, oh gosh, like what if I mess myself up worse? But luckily, um, uh, MCLs heal pretty quickly, I guess. And uh, I was able to go down, had a great tryout, got on the plane to leave, text my good friend who worked there at the time and said, hey, man, you know, if you hear anything, please let me know. And, um, he, and, and just to this tryout. So the, the first tryout was, they're like, we know you're athletic. We want to see if you have some character and you can listen. This tryout was for the most part, most of us, they said, we know you're a wrestler. We want to see who stands out and we want to see if you're going to quit. So when they ask you if you're going to quit, that means they're putting you through really tough, uh, drills. And it was one of the most out of all my years in football, everything I'd done, it right. was the most physically draining, demanding two days I'd ever had. Right. I mean, it was miserable. It was it was very hard. And a lot of that has to do with if you push yourself. And so I pushed myself right. the whole time. You can probably hang out in the back and like get by, but I wanted, by, wanted to stand out. And uh, anyways, I got on the plane and and my buddy texted me back and and he said, he said, hey man, it sounds like you're good to go. Um, he's like, it looks like they're going to sign you. So just same, same old story. Stay, stay safe. Don't get hurt. Keep doing what you're doing. And they'll probably contact you and tell you when it's going to happen. And then, um, yeah, like dude, a, a week later, William Regal emails me, Hey, we're looking to sign you in February of 2016. Stay safe. Don't get hurt. Don't, don't go wrestle for no money right now. Take care of yourself. Say like, cool. It was like, man, it just, that that uh time just kept getting closer and closer and nearer and nearer and, and I never heard anything and um I you know I emailed them like in January of that year and I'm like hey you know are there any updates like my life's kind of on hold because you're telling me I'm about to move to Orlando in February you know and uh then it was sort of like well nothing really happens until you sign. So we're not sure. And I was like, Oh my gosh, really? Right. <laughs> like what else do you want me to do? You know, like what else, what else can I do? Right. And uh, so that was kind of the end of my, I would say that was the end of my going at it hard. Um, because I was, I was extremely bitter and upset that, um, and, and I, I knew I shouldn't have been because I know there's a thousand other people that had worse stories than I had. Right. About dealing with the political part of getting a contract there. Sure. Um, and so at that point, I took a job down in Charleston, moved down to Charleston, still wrestled 
for another shoot, probably two and a half years. Um, still loved it, still enjoyed it, but it was like, it was like, am I ever going to get that opportunity again? Um, and be that close ever again? I don't know, you know, like, and I'm, and I'm making no money and I'm struggling. And, you know, I was like, I was like, I'm going to go take this job so I can at least like provide for myself. And I'm sleeping on like my mom's floor anymore. (laughs) Right. Right. Um, right. Yeah. But it it was, I mean, it was really, it's cool because now I'm still so well connected with a lot of wrestlers and a few of my friends are, are big time now and doing a lot of cool stuff. And I I talked to them a good bit. I talked to a lot of the guys that I met there that aren't even wrestlers, but just behind the scenes people that I kind of stayed friends with. Um, but yeah, I stopped about, man, it's probably been about two years ago now. And, um, a year ago, like probably new year, um, of 2020, I got the itch and said, you know what? I think I'm going to give wrestling a go again. Like my, my, you know, now I do video production. My business had kind of picked up. I'd like gotten to where I have like steady streams of income for my business and things are going really well. And I'm like, all right, I'm gonna give it a shot. I'm gonna give it a shot. Well then in March of last year, I tore my Achilles. Oh, and I remember, I remember seeing that on Facebook. I remember you saying that. Yeah. And it kind of, I was like, man, well, I guess the timing's not right. You know, I guess it's not, not, um, the right time for me to get back into it. Cause now I feel like the opportunities are all there. I mean, there's so much, there's no, it's, it's a good thing. Cause there's so much talent that it's similar to recruiting in high school. There's a lot of really talented guys that, in wrestling that have, have been gone and passed and won't ever wrestle ever again, that were plenty talented enough to be doing things. Right. Um, you know, but someone just didn't see them or someone didn't think they had it. That was a higher up and never gave them the opportunity, um, which is really cool to see now. And so when I saw that kind of those doors opening, I was like, wow, maybe this is an opportunity for me to go be a part of maybe another company or um, do something different that, you know, that will get me another op- another shot or another opportunity to take a different path than I did the first time. Right. Um, I think I think a lot of my, my first trip was a he's a new guy and he listens really well. And it was like a kind of like a wow factor. Like, wow, I can't believe you've been wrestling six months. This is amazing. Right. And I couldn't pull that card after three years, you know? Yeah. So it was like, what, what do I do now? Right. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was a really interesting, fun experience. I'm, I'm still, I'm not as into it as much anymore as I was. Um, mainly because I, I just have different aspirations now. Like, uh, owning my own business and and like yeah. seeing my sal my salary now compared to like what I would have been making wrestling five or six days a week for WWE uh, yeah I would have gotten a following and and done whatever but the entrepreneurial part of me would have missed out a lot on like how do I take this and take advantage of it and continue sure. to make money for the rest of my life with this right. and so well, um, it's been been cool but uh, yeah go ahead yeah just like you man I, I grew up a big wrestling fan um, mm-hmm. and you know. I was kind of one of those, I was, it was, you know, some of my friends liked it, you know, but not really as much as me. Like I was a huge wrestling fan. You know, my, my mom didn't even want me to play football. So the idea that I liked wrestling was just not her thing. And then, then I, uh, I, mean, I, I wrestled in high school and I kind of got to a situation. You talked about your high school was better of a, a wrestling program than a football program. Well, my high school was the exact opposite. We were, we were a very good football program and our wrestling program had never been very good. In reality, I was probably not to say I was great at either. I was probably a better wrestler than I was football player. But at the end of the day, it came down to, you know, the football team wanted me to get bigger because I was an offensive lineman, even though I was undersized. And the wrestling team wanted me to get smaller and wrestle at the 171 weight class. And 
and that and and that like and you know it was a tough call but you know we uh you know it was one of those things where it was like hey we're better at football that's what i'm gonna do but you know you yes. mentioned that uh attitude era uh time frame of the late early and late 90s you know i'm a little bit older than you but it i, I always think of that era as the golden era too because it hit at the right time for me. Like when Hulk Hogan went to WCW, I was, you know, probably in the fourth grade, fifth grade. And so I was still in that Hulkamania mindset about the time I'm, you know, fifth and sixth grade, seventh grade is when the Monday night Wars start sting, you know, goes from, from surfer sting to crow sting. And that was interesting mm -hmm. to me, you know, Hogan making the heel turn for the first time ever. And then the attitude error, like, you know, you get it, you, you know, you and I, or, you know, I taught you student taught middle school, you know how middle schoolers are. So, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin and, and The Rock and what they were for a seventh and eighth grader was perfect. And then, you yeah, know, kept going. And for me at that time, at my age, I was you know, ninth grade, 10th grade. And so, you know, now, like I have the WWE network, I'm a subscriber now, and I know they're going to Peacock, but anyway, like 99.9% .9 of the reason I have that is nothing to do with like what's going on in wrestling today. And I'll watch some of that every once in a while, just because I do enjoy wrestling. But a lot of it is to watch like interviews. Stone Cold does his uh, Stone Cold sessions, Broken Skull sessions. Yeah. He's interviewing guys. And honestly, to watch some of those older matches, because growing up, like my, my dad was not going to pay for a pay-per-view and my mom didn't want me to watch it anyway. So I was always that kid who had to tune in on Monday to find out what happened on the Sunday pay-per-view because I, I never knew what happened. And, so like I've gone back and watched those, but hearing your stories of you, you, you coming up and coming through the ranks, you know, it's, it's the same. What's so interesting to me is you hear the undertaker talk about his, like what it took to get him through. And, you know, mm -hmm. you know, even Ric Flair talking about, you know, this, that, and the other. And I mean, I don't remember that I've seen both the undertaker sessions and a lot of stuff with him where he talked about, he almost quit wrestling. You know, if it wasn't for Vince McMahon coming up with that undertaker gimmick, and, and him taking it and running with it, he was ready to stop because he was like, I, this isn't going to work. And how many of those guys were told, you know, everybody, it feels like everybody Stone Cold interviews at one time in their career was told by somebody, hey, no one's ever going to watch you wrestle. No one's ever going to pay to watch you wrestle. And it's just yeah. interesting how that works out. And, man, you know, I, I get, I've always given you a lot of credit, um, and I've told you this before, for pursuing that dream. And, you know, I mean, a lot of guys sit on the couch and say, I want to be a wrestler, but they never try. And, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, you, you did it and got darn near close as anybody could. I mean, like I've seen you on TV, in a, you know, in wrestling gear. That's a lot more than most guys could say. So, I mean, that's yeah. that's an accomplishment there. And I mean, you were right at the cusp. And like you said, you, you kind of life changes, aspirations change. And, and, you know, you're doing now what you want to be doing. And and you ha still have those memories of, of that of those days. Yeah, for sure. And, and it's, it's leading into other things, too, you know, like, um the, the camera world came to me out of nowhere and, right. and it's sort of the same thing. It, but what was cool about the camera part was uh, getting involved in, in filmmaking and stuff is that it sort of opened up my creativity again. You know, like I'd said, when, when sports wasn't working out for me, it was like, Oh, I'm going to go to art school because I was, I was a decent artist growing up. I could draw pretty well and right. um, painted a good bit and was in like our, our, uh, what we call our gifted and talented program at my high school. And, right. um, considered majoring in art in college just to sure. you know get better at technique and things like that and so video kind of opened that back up for me but it also opened up the the entertaining like i want to do something cool right. different and and challenge myself and so um i i haven't really 
I might have mentioned it in like a Facebook post once, but I'm I'm actually pursuing acting now. So I'm, oh, nice. Yeah, so I've taken some taking some acting classes. I mean, I'm I, I'm by no means where I want to be or where I need to be or even understand it fully, really. Um, but I, I've taken like a, a, an eight week course out of a um, studio in L.A. Um, and now I'm. Uh, it's it's funny because I, I was gung ho about it for a little bit and then life gets in the way and then certain things get in the way. It's like, I've been waiting for a little bit to um, just basically get all my profile set up to get my things sent out to people. Cause you're, you're, you're first part of, of acting. I mean, you think wrestling worlds, uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of people in it. There's a lot more actors in the actor world. And then, oh, yeah. you know, everything is based on, does he look like the part? Right. Does he sound like the part? Like, uh, and then, and then it goes, I mean, before you even get the, they can make you look a little different, but for the most part, you have to fit things perfectly when, when it's what they're looking for. Um, and you know, I, I thought to myself like, well, I have a pretty, I have a distinct look. Like I wish sons of anarchy was still filming <laughs> or, like, right, right. or like Vikings or something. I, I would fit right in with those people, at least as an extra. Sure. Um, but yeah, I, uh, so I've been pursuing that, which is, which has been cool. And, and much like, it's weird, man, much like wrestling and, and the opportunities that came with football, um, you know, hopping on a phone call with my wife one night, we, you know, she's, um, I don't know if you, if, if you've seen her stories or anything, um, my, my wife's legally blind. Oh, and wow. so, um, really cool story. She was a, she was a cheerleader at Clemson. Um, it was, it was like this big, like cool like a bunch of newspapers put out stuff about her yeah i'm um, not totally blind stuff. yeah 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 and so it was a really cool story yeah. and so um she gets a lot of interesting opportunities where people are just interested to hear her story or, or interested in just like who she is and what she does and how she lives every day and things like that and so um she i didn't really know this she might have mentioned it to me but it slipped my mind there's been these people who are creating a kickstarter for a comic book um, and it's a comic book based on a superhero who has a disability. Um, and it's really just to kind of tackle that sort of, um, stigma that is, is just carried around anyone with a disability, you know, across the entire spectrum of disabilities. I mean, if you hear that someone's blind or legally blind, you automatically think they just stare into black space all day. And, and that's not always the truth. So, um, and then you also think they're, you know, they're not capable of doing certain things. Um, and, you know, she's a big advocate of like, we just have to find different ways to do certain things. Right. So um, f for, for instance, like if you ever, if you ever follow the Paralympics, um, which for listeners, the Paralympics and the Special Olympics are very different things. Um, Paralympics actually take place during the Olympics, um, opening ceremonies, all that stuff's kind of all in the same time frame, same area. They do all that stuff together. Um, you know, there's certain, there's certain sports in the Paralympics that will allow for people to, um, for instance, the sprinters get to have a, a, a guide sprint with them, which is really cool to see because their wrists are, um, their wrists are tied together. So oh, wow. they have to run like in unison with each other. Oh, and wow. it's really cool to, it's cool to see that happen. Um, and I'm pretty sure the fastest totally blind sprinter ever is an American right now. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. Um, his name is David. It might be David Johnson, I believe, but anyways, it's, it's very cool. Um, we, we've met 
uh, him. We've met um, a guy that, that actually runs beside him that used to be on like Team USA, like for the 100 and like the four by one and things like that. And uh, anyway, so she's just a big advocate for things like that and, and really outspoken and, and loves to share her story and, and talk about, you know, how it's not a limiting factor in life. Cause it's unfortunately it, it's, um, it's seen as that, you know, like you hear of, you hear of people who are 45 and just because they're blind, they still live with their parents who are in their eighties because they, they don't think they can take care of themselves or their, or their, or their parents limited them to making them think you can't take care of yourself without us. And uh, it's kind of, it's a, it's a bad situation, but there's a lot of people fighting for um, just disability advocacy and things like that now. But anyways, um, I'm going on a rant about things that. <laughs> oh, good, man. Uh, Listen, man, I, that's, that's awesome about the acting. And um, I'm, I, you know, I, I know you well enough to know you're going to, you're going to give that a, a hell of a run and, and go at it. And that's yeah, well, the, the, the final part of that story, just oh, yeah. to, just to shorten it. She, this comic book has been working with her for a year, a year and a half or whatever. They're making a short film. And so one day we're on the phone with them and she said, they want to talk to you because the, the woman's husband in the comic book is going to be based on you because you're my husband. I was like, okay, cool, whatever. I get on it. And they were like, well, you know, we're, we're really interested. We're doing this short film for the comic book release. And um, they were like, you know, we're not sure who we're going to cast, but Erica, we would love for you to do it because, you know, there's really not in, in every movie or every like short film that's ever been like released. There's really not been someone with a disability playing someone with a disability. It's always been someone else. And um, they were like, we want to kind of break that a little bit. And she's like, well, yeah. And she's like, I don't have any acting experience. And um, but she was like, well, it's really interesting. You asked this because Jake's actually taking acting classes right now. And so we've gotten cast the short film um out of nowhere so i'm actually going to get um in april april 20 like first through 26 we'll be out in la filming this short film um so i have my first opportunity to kind of put my face in front of a camera and right. act a little bit <laughs> which that's is cool. it's really cool man things just kind of fall into place you know it's, it's awesome. a weird thing Dude, that's awesome i'll be on the lookout for that that's really cool on a lot of levels really cool of your wife um, and to be doing that. And, and, you know, it's great that you've gotten that opportunity too, man. And, um, I'll be definitely looking out for that. Mm -hmm. For well, sure, man. It's, it's I interesting. You, uh, I appreciate you taking the time to talk with me tonight. We're going to, uh, we're going to have to roll on, but I mean, heck of a, heck of an interesting ride you've been on, you know, from, from the, the ways it went to get you to football and then into wrestling and then kind of into wrestling again. And man, I, I, I definitely know that you've got a lot of talent and, uh, you know, I, I want to see where this acting gig takes you. I think it'll take you to great places, but appreciate you being here for everybody listening. Make sure you download, make sure you subscribe, make sure you rate and review our show. Uh, Jake, I can't say thank you enough. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. It's been good catching up. I, I, I feel like I talk for most of the time, but I hopefully some people take, uh, take some things from that and, and, uh, you know, learn about my path and see how I can kind of help them as well and whatever they're doing or pursuing or, or anything like that. Yeah, man, absolutely. I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. <laughs>